This week on Champion Church Fort Worth, the podcast, I Love the 90s continues as Pastor Samuel apprises us of the key to progress by relating the story of personal computer luminary Steve Jobs and his complicated relationship with the company he co-founded, Apple. In order to progress positively in any part of our lives, including the spiritual, we need to understand the necessity of change in our direction, in our leadership, and in our perspective. Here's Pastor Samuel. But I love the 90s, and this is what we're doing here over the last three weeks. We've been talking about the 90s. Talking a lot about that. Today we're going to do the same thing, but I wanted to start with the, the verse today that has kind of uh, been the main verse of everything that we've been talking about over the last three weeks. We see here in 2 Peter 3.18 that Peter says here at the very end uh, of this letter, just to kind of finish off all that summed up this letter, he makes a very important statement here that I want to share with you this morning and continue to make, cause you to think about what it is that Peter was trying to get you to understand and what I believe the Lord wants you to understand this morning. So he says here, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. And something very important that Peter understands that you and I must understand is that we must continually grow in that grace. You don't just wake up when you get saved and all of a sudden you know everything, right? I know some of you might feel that way. Anybody? Okay, no, we're all, we're all human here, amen? And, uh, but we, it's very important that we understand that Jesus really wants us to continue to grow. And this is what the whole I Love the 90s is about, is to look at, at what happened in the 90s and some things that were valuable there and the way that from 1990 to 1999, there was a lot of growth. There were a lot of things that changed. All of a sudden, they introduced something called CDs instead of cassette tapes, right? And that was a magical moment. We, we all learned a lot from that, and we're, we're able to go and, and grow in, in, in the quality of music and all of those things. And today, we're actually going to talk about a specific person in history and his company and the, the process in, of progress in his company and relay that to our lives. And my hope is that by the time that we're done today, we will understand the key to progress. We will understand how to progress and what's important for you and I moving forward as we grow in the knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ. How many of you want to grow today? Oh, amen. Yeah. amen. Praise God. Let me pray for us and we'll get started. Dear Lord, we honor you today. Father, we're so excited to be in your house to learn from your word, to worship you, Lord. We're so thankful that we have the opportunity to start our week off right with you, Father. And I pray that what happens today radiates through the next six days as we go throughout our week, Lord, and that you use us in great and mighty ways. We love you. We thank you, Father. I pray that, that as the Cowboys play today, Jesus, that they are the Cowboys of the 90s, Lord, and that we would win Super Bowls in 2016, 17, and beyond. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Guys, we got to pray for the Cowboys. You know what I'm saying? We actually have to, as a church, lift up the teams that we want to win. Praise God. I'm sorry we're America's team, right? I, I can't help that, right? Some of you Steelers fans in here and Packers fans have a problem with that. But because we all love Jesus, we can all worship together. Praise God. Amen. Amen. God is good. So today... 
We're going to talk about progress, the key to progress. Listen, when you think about progress in your life, what is the first thing that comes to mind? What is the first area in your life that you feel like you really need to change and, and multiply and grow in? For some of you, maybe that's your physical fitness. Some of you really want to work out more. Some of you want to have a better physique. Some of you just want to have a healthier heart, right? For some of you, it's your finances. You look at your bank account right now as we sit here on Sunday morning, and you think, Lord, how am I going to pay that bill this week? Or, Lord, how am I going to pay for my child's braces, right? Anybody? I mean, all of these things can overwhelm us. And when we think about this issue of progress, what is going on in your life right now? Some of you think about your relationships and how that your relationships are, are rocky right now. Maybe you're going through some things at home and in your relationship to your spouse, and you're thinking, what is going on? Where is this relationship going? And for all of these things, we have to consider this morning what God is trying to teach us in that situation to grow us up. And this is what we're talking about here. Listen, Jesus is the answers to life for you and I. And the roadmap to that is the Word of God. And today we're going to look at the Word of God and see what it says. And what I want to start with today, and this will kind of be the, um, the story that I want to discuss is, but in, in, in 1984, uh, there was something called the Macintosh Apple Computer, right? Apple Computer started in a garage with two guys, okay? Uh, you guys know Steve Jobs? Anybody know Steve Jobs? Um, he created, him and his buddy Steve uh, Wozniak, uh, created in their garage the first computer and began to work through this process of building the Apple computer. How many of you guys have Apple products at home? Look at that, most of the church. Praise God, this is a great church. And uh, if you have an Apple phone, if you have an iPod, if you have an iPad, if you have a, an iPhone, any of those products were all created and all started and 1984 in the garage with two guys deciding to change the world by creating what, what's called the personal computer. And, and through the process of, of Apple, we see that Steve Jobs ultimately quit over an argument in a board meeting. And he quit Apple computers. But the interesting thing about Apple is um, as we look at the history of that, we see in 2001, they created the Apple iPod. It was the first it was the first player that could actually house songs on it and then just instantaneously be able to play them through headphones, right? Before that, we had the Walkman, right? And all of a sudden, this Apple company came on the scene with something that looks a lot like this, the iPhone one, or the iPod 1. Did anybody actually have this? You guys remember this? Some of you were hanging out in, in Walkman years and days and whatever and um, and all of a sudden, he produced this. We also had in 2003, iTunes. In the first week, sold over 1 million songs. Did you know that? And then in the first year, he, they sold over 50 million songs for 99 cents apiece. That's amazing. When, when you think about how much money was generated over creating this online community. Now, you guys remember Napster, right? Napster was way back in the day where everybody was stealing music. And I see that hand. We're going to be praying for your wretched soul after this. He's like, yes, Napster. Oh, that's awesome. I set you up. But praise God. Praise God. Jesus loves you. Napster. And then we had, we had um, iTunes. Now we had, in 2007, the, earth, the first iPhone. Who had the first iPhone? Anybody stood in line for that? There we go. 
We got some good people in this church. And in uh, 2008, they opened the App Store, and it exploded social media and business. The App Store took over. All of a sudden now, you didn't have to have a disk to install programs. You could actually download it from the App Store instantaneously. And there were, it, it basically alleviated CDs and having to have a CD-ROM drive. Um, and that's because I'm a techie. I love that kind of stuff. And in 2010, they created the iPad, which was the first mini-computer that was a handheld device. And then in 2014, the first iWatch came out. We see that? Awesome. <laughs> love it. The spokesmodel for uh, Apple products, and uh, and it, it was awesome, and I, I really enjoyed this. But listen, before all of this happened, right? Apple was on the verge of bankruptcy. Steve Jobs had quit Apple, and they were headed for bankruptcy. Every time they would put something out, it would fail. In fact, Microsoft was becoming larger and larger and taking over the personal computer industry. And Apple was scared to death. They were about to claim bankruptcy and figure out how they were going um, to survive. And even just as an example, in 1990, you could buy a, a share of stock in Apple for $2. All right? So if you bought 1,000 shares of Apple stock, it would be $2,000. And what happened is through the process of Steve Jobs coming back on board and becoming the CEO, the share now for one share of Apple stock is $95. So it went from $2 to $95. If you bought 1,000 shares today, it would be $95,000. So if you had invested in Apple when it was $2 a share, you'd be a millionaire. And in fact, when, when they went public, 45 of their employees became a millionaire overnight because of how much stock that they actually have in the company. But what I want to say to you today is something changed in their culture. Something changed in their attitude. Something changed radically in the life of the Apple employees and Steve Jobs and that company that took them from $2 a share to $95 a share, and it revolutionized all of the world because of one man's vision of coming into Apple and being able to do what he felt like he needed to do. And what I want to talk to you today is about that issue of progress and what that means for you and I. Because what I find is that people want progress a lot of times, but they don't want change. And that's a problem, friends, because change precedes progress. Yes. Which means that change this morning goes before progress. And if you don't want to change the way that you do things, if you don't want to change your life, then you're never going to progress through and, and grow in the way that God wants you to grow in, in the things that He wants you to do. Yes. And this is exactly what Peter was telling us, friends, that you and I would grow in the grace and knowledge. Yes. But the key ingredient in that is that you and I must understand that we must change. And I want to tell you, friends, that's hard to do. It's hard. Listen, when I change the muffins out to donuts, some of you freak out. I can't handle this church. I'll change the logo, and I've had people quit the church. I mean, I'm here to tell you, friends, change is hard. You know, what if somebody parks in your parking spot, you like to lose your religion, man. Come unglued. Am I the only one that when I get cut off on the freeway, I don't want to tell them how much Jesus loves them? 
Am I the only one, friends? I want to tell you that we must understand if we want to, if we want progress in our finances, and we got to change the way we spend. Right? If we want, if we want to, to grow in our relationships at home, we got to change some things that we're doing. Yes. When I sit down with a couple and I'm talking to them about their marriage that might be on the rocks, I'm like, okay, friends, if you're here and you really want to change some things, we can get busy. But if you just want me to give you a couple things and encourage your spouse to quit treating you bad, that's not going to work. And I think a lot of people come to this, this relationship with Jesus and say, hey, I don't want to change a lot. I just, I just want to, to really grow and, and have all this ability to do great things and have leadership and do all these things. But I don't really want to change. And what I want to say to you is change always precedes progress. And what I want to do today is talk to you about Steve Jobs. And the success that he had at Apple. And, and, and I want to find out what Steve Jobs actually implemented during his relationship to the Apple people. And all the things that he did. And I think there are three simple things today that if we would work towards, God would begin to change us from the inside out. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for my life. And, and so the first thing that you and I need to understand is we must have a change in our direction. Somebody say direction. direction. See, when Apple through the 90s was about to go into bankruptcy, they decided to bring somebody back on that had a vision to change everything. And they had decided that they were going to bring a guy on that some of those people didn't like because how, how outlandish he was, because what a visionary he was, because he was hard to work with, because he knew exactly what it was that he wanted, and either you were going to do it or you could go somewhere else. It was this attitude that Steve Jobs brought in. It was this maverick leadership that says, listen, and, 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 and he comes into this thing, and the Apple employees were like, listen, we got to change this thing because we're dying. This thing is not headed in the right direction. And if somebody doesn't come in and help us, it's going to be dead tomorrow. And so they bring Steve Jobs in. And he said, listen, you're dying, and you need me. But what that means is there's going to be a change of direction around here. And you no longer are going to have the ability to do whatever you want to do, to build whatever you want to build, to design whatever you want to design. There will be no flexibility in that. And what I will do is I will direct you every step of the way. Now, friends, for a lot of people, that's a problem. Because you know the person that you dislike most in your life a lot of times? His name is the boss. Because every day he tells you what to do. In fact, when you don't do something right, he encourages you to do it differently. And for some of us, we just have a real problem with that. But what I know, friends, is that if you're going to um, progress, if there's going to be progress in your life, there's two fixed points that you need to understand. Where you are at now and where you want to get to. And your boss, who is leading you, is trying to get you to a place that he needs you to be so that there is success in the company. Yes. Let me say this to you, that our direction will define our destination. Where are you headed today, friends, in your relationships? Where are you headed today with your friendships at school? Where are you headed today at your job? Because where, whatever you're focused on, whatever you're looking to, whoever is guiding your life, you are headed in that direction. And listen, nobody, you don't end up somewhere by accident. Most of you are headed in a direction in your relationships. And it, it's either a direction of life, where God has and called you to be, or it's a direction of death. 
And the way you are headed is the way that you will be going. The Bible is very clear about natural momentum in this life, in the lives of humans, in the lives of people. Proverbs 14, 12 says, listen to this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is the way of death. See, if we were sitting here just being led by anybody and everybody, there's a way that seems right in man's eyes. But the Bible says it ultimately leads to death. And, and I, I want to say this, that you and I are born into death. We are born headed for death. We are born with a sin nature. Yes. This is what happened in the fall of man and Adam and Eve. This, this, is why Je- this is why God had to send His Son Jesus to die on the cross for us. Yes. Right? To save our souls. So when we invite Jesus to come into our hearts, we're saying no longer are we bound to sin and death. But now we have freedom in life in Jesus. See, but the problem is, if you're following the way of the world and the way that the world does things, the world is headed for death. And and I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, but the Bible says, even, even Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount, He says, enter by the narrow gate. Throw that verse up there. Enter by the narrow gate, Matthew 7, 13. For wide friends, is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Friends, there are many that go in by it. Because listen to this, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. I want you to understand, if you are running around this life doing what everybody else is doing, you might need to reconsider it. You might need to consider if, if, if you hear this statement, well, everybody's doing it. Everybody has one. Everybody drinks that. Everybody smokes that. Everybody goes there. When you're saying things like that in your life, I would caution you, friends. Because narrow is the road that leads to heaven. That means that you and I must be focused on our destination. We must be focused on, on looking at our lives and saying, God, we are headed in your direction. Yes. Everyone is going to end up somewhere, but only those that are headed in the direction of Jesus, headed in the direction of true life, are actually going to end up in heaven with Him. Yes. I just want to encourage you. We must change our direction. And this is what Steve Jobs said. He rolled into Apple and said, everything from this day forward is changing. In fact, he fired the whole board in that one moment. Everybody on the board, he looked at them and said, thank you so much for your service. You are now let go to find new jobs. He came in and said, listen, you're going to follow me. And you're going to follow the direction that I have set out before you. And I want to encourage you. If you're going to find real direction in life, it will be because you read the roadmap to life. It will be because you follow after Jesus Christ and his plan for your life. Because I always tell you, friends, God's way is better than your way. He can run your life better than you can. I mean, there's a lot of smart people in the world, friends. Steve Jobs is a smart guy. But nothing he created is giving me salvation. Nothing mankind can create will bring life to my life for the rest of my life and in on into eternity. This This is what we're talking about today. Real life change. The Bible says, friends... In Romans 10, 9 to 10, that if you confess with your mouth 
that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. It's very simple how to find life here. And, and, and I love this. He says, for with one heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So who has changed the direction of our life? His name is Jesus. We follow Jesus because our direction will be forever changed in the lives of the people around us, our family members. Our, our, our people will be able to see that where we're headed is very different than where the rest of the world is headed. This is why it's so important to speak the truth and love and encourage people that there is real life in Jesus. Thank you. Number two, we need to change our direction, but also we'll see that Steve Jobs made a change of leadership. You and I must have a change of leadership. Apple changed all of that. Steve Jobs came back to Apple and breathed new life into a struggling com in, into a struggling company. He came in and he led every day. He, he defined the future of Apple. And even though Steve Jobs had critics like crazy, people would say, you can't do this. There's no way you can invent this. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to do this. And he comes in and says, forget all of that. You know what I find in Christianity is there's a lot of people that will check the box that says, I've asked Jesus into my heart. But then once they do that, for the rest of their lives, they live with their way of doing things. Yes. And they can't submit to God. What they do is submit to what they want. Yes. And what they want to do. They're actually their own leaders. Yes. You know, years ago, Dan and I worked at a restaurant right out of, during college. And we met, a, we met a guy that we knew, and he could never submit to the boss. And every time the boss would tell him what to do, he would do completely the opposite. And his tenure there was horrible. And in fact, even today, we see somebody that can never admit or submit to leadership in their lives. And because of that, it, this person just does whatever they want to do. Whatever they feel is important. I worry about that, friends. I worry about someone who feels like they know what's best for their life all the time. Because you know what? You, if, if our lives are left up to us, we're in trouble. We're in trouble because we're selfish by nature, friends. We're selfish people. And what I want to say to you is God has a better way. God has a, an awesome way. Who, friends, is the boss of your life? You know what I love about Jesus? He's so wise and he's so smart. Listen to what Henry Ford said. Henry Ford, the maker of the first automobile, he says this, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. <laughs> I'm worried about what we want. Because we trot into church on a faster horse. And yet Henry Ford's a visionary. Steve Jobs is a visionary, but more than all of that, we serve Jesus who knows what you and I need yes. to have a healthy marriage, what you and I need to have healthy relationships, what you and I need to grow in the knowledge of Him so that we can be successful. Friends, if you find yourself limping through life, that's not a kingdom life. Certainly there will be times where we struggle, but Jesus brings life where there is death. He brings healing where there is brokenness. He brings real relief to our souls and real rest to our lives, but it's going to be because we understand that Jesus is the boss. I love what it says here. We receive Christ as Lord. The word Lord actually means boss. 
Is Jesus the boss of your life? If you want real change, friends, it's going to be because you say, God, you are the Lord of my life. Are you allowing Jesus to lead your life? You know, when Jesus in Matthew came and he asked his disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In that moment, Peter understood that Jesus was the boss. And what the boss says goes. Did you know that? What the boss says actually goes. Jesus says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, when I found Jesus, when Jesus came into my life, He changed my attitude, changed my heart. All of a sudden, I wanted to love Him. I wanted to do more. I wanted to come serve in the kingdom. I wanted to help out at at the kids' ministry. I wanted to play drums. I wanted to use my life for His purposes. It wasn't because I had to. It wasn't a list of to-dos. It was one big yes that said, God, I want more of You. Man, I want to be a servant of You. I want to come and bring people to life in Christ. It was this attitude change because God was, was directing and leading my life. We, 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 we have to allow Jesus to change the direction of our lives and also change the leadership. But number three, we've got to change our perspective. See, this is very unique, friends, because you're sitting here this morning with a perspective about church. Some of you love the house of God. Some of you would rather be at home getting ready for football. Some of you would rather be anywhere else than come to the house of God. All because of your perspective. All because of the way you grew up. Listen, I have a little daughter, Finley, who was scared to death of Santa Claus. I've told you this before. And we couldn't understand why she was so freaked out about a little dude with a beard. And all of a sudden she said, no, Daddy, I'm scared of Santa's claws. <laughs> and all of a sudden the light bulb went on my head, went on and said, hold on. Santa doesn't have claws. He's not Freddy Krueger. And I begin to tell her how great Santa is. And how that you need to not be on the naughty list, but you need to be on the good list, right? So that Santa will bring you lots of great things. Love it. My parents would put Santa Claus, but most of the time it would come from Jesus. Jesus brought you the best gifts. Thank you, Jesus. We've got to change our perspective, friends. You know what's cool about Steve Jobs? Is when they first introduced the iPad, right? The first, the, I'm sorry, the iPod. When they first introduced this iPod, they got together in the final meetings after they had spent millions of dollars and thousands of hours, hours upon hours, developing the first iPod. And they got together with all the brains in the company, and they had a massive meeting. And all of these designers and and programmers got together in this room and were so excited to roll the new iPod out to Steve Jobs. And they sit at the table after all these hours and all of these things, and they're so excited to present this major, world-changing item as an iPod. And they give it to Steve Jobs, and he sits there quietly and begins to analyze this. And he sits there and they're waiting to see what he's going to say about this brand new iPod that's going to change all of the known world. And he sits there and he makes a statement. He looks at this thing and he says, it's still too big. And all of a sudden you see their faces. And they're like, what are you you talking about? We've spent every waking hour 
working double overtime to build something for you, and all that you have to say to us is it's still too big. He says, I I'm sorry. It's too big. But we've spent hours. We've spent all millions and millions of dollars, Steve. How could you say that to us? We've done everything you've asked of us. Steve says it's still too big. And they were even so upset. They were so frustrated. And he grabs the iPod off the desk. And he stands up to his feet. And he walks over to the aquarium that he has full of fish. And drops it into the aquarium. And it sinks to the bottom. And as it sinks to the bottom, bubbles come out of it. And he said, you see those bubbles? That's air. That's too much empty space. Make it smaller. And thro throws it in the aquarium. And they left that room that day. And what did they do? They made it smaller. And you know, they said that when Steve Jobs passed away, 10 years later, he passed away, and they were cleaning out his office, and they found that old iPod still at the bottom of the aquarium. I want to tell you, friends, that's called perspective. And he wanted to give everybody that worked for him perspective that says, listen, I know that you think what you're doing is okay, but it's not. I want you to make it smaller. I want you to be more effective. And I really believe from a love of, of a father and from the love of Jesus that he would come to you today and, and, and would say, I have done everything for you to be successful in this life. But it requires that you change your perspective. It requires that you come to God and say, God, you are the Lord of my life and I will be obedient. You know what's, what's interesting? Because I think what needs to change very quickly is our perspective on sin. Our perspective on sin sometimes is very difficult because for a lot of us, we would sit around and say, well, you know, we're, we're struggling with sin. We've got this sin in our lives and we're just trying to manage it. We're just trying to manage that sin. The problem is you can't manage sin because sin equals death. Listen, Satan does not send you to hell. Sin sends you to hell. Bible says the wages of sin is death. And what I would encourage you right now, if there are things that you have been struggling with, perpetual sin, addictions, things that you are struggling with, pornography, anything that, that has come into your life that is weighing you down, that is sin that you don't have to deal with. Because Jesus already dealt with it. And the faster you realize that you're not bound to sin and death, but you are alive in Christ, the faster you will begin to live like never before. See, your perspective must change about the world around you. The Bible says here that therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it, but it is, it, but for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Yes. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Amen. And I want to encourage you, friends. Jesus has provided a way. We have to have a new perspective on sin that says we're not bound to that. We don't have to live that way another day in our lives. But we have life in Jesus. Also, we've got to change our perspective on self as Dane comes. We've got to change our perspective on who we are. We've got to be less focused on the sin and all the issues of the world and more focused on Jesus in His face and what He wants for our lives. Jesus has to come in and begin to change that perspective. It does not happen overnight, friends. 
It takes time of living life with Jesus. You know, the more years that I live with my wife, next week we're celebrating 17 years of marriage. Right. And I want to tell you something. I'm still learning. And she's still teaching. <laughs> All the time, friends. <laughs> she's really good at teaching. Sometimes I don't like what she has to say. Can we be honest? But it's important that I continue to learn so that her and I can walk together in unity. So that we can walk together in love. So that we can walk together in ministry. So that we can walk together in this wonderful life that God has given us. I want to encourage you. You and I must have that same attitude. And, and lastly here, friends, our attitude and our perspective needs to change on people's souls. Did you know that all of us have a soul? And we've been given a body to house that soul for a short time on earth. But the soul is what matters in people. The soul is what we have to think about when we meet the person at the grocery store. We have to realize that it's not about their body that needs restoration. It's their soul that needs real life. The Bible says here that for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I want to encourage you this morning as we close. You must make sure today that your soul is safe in heaven. That your soul is actually one with Jesus. And that you are on the road with Jesus. And that Christ is, is with you, leading and guiding you every step of the way. I want you to bow your heads this morning with me as the band comes. Bow your heads with me because I want to give you an opportunity to ask Jesus into your heart. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you're here this morning, you've never started your journey with Christ, all that we ask is that you respond to God, say a prayer, and begin to walk with Jesus. God will open doors for you. He'll change your perspective on life. He'll change the way you live this life. All of a sudden, you will have a desire to be more like Jesus and to love your neighbor and to work with your boss and to grow as a, as a person and an employee and all of those things because God will begin to speak to you like never before. And so I want to encourage you today, if that's you, quickly this morning, lift up your hand with your, with your eyes closed and your head bowed. If you're here and you need Jesus, and say, I just want to pray this prayer. I'm not going to make you come up, but we're all going to pray this together. But I want you to respond to God and say, that's me this morning. If you're here and you need Jesus, and you've never done that, I want to pray with you for that right now. And I want everybody to repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I receive you into my heart. I know I'm a sinner, and I, I'm in need of a Savior. And I call on you today to come into my heart and change me from the inside out. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. For me to take on your righteousness. For me to take on your righteousness. And I receive you today. In Jesus' name. Also want to lift up those of you in here that you feel like this is your next step. That you're here today and you're saying, man, my perspective, Pastor, has been really messed up. You know, I, I've needed to change and I've needed to, to, to grow in the Lord and I, I've just not been at that place where I, I've done that. And what I want to do is pray for you today. If you'd say, Pastor, that's me. I want to continue to grow like never before. I believe as you respond to God, God's going to meet you right where you're at. And He's going to grow you. So with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, if that's you, 
just slip up your hand this morning and let me pray for you that God would give you the strength and the ability this morning to see what you don't see, to grow you in areas. I see those hands. Thank you, church. Let me pray for you. Dear God, we lift up these people that have their hands raised to you, Jesus. That you would come and you would straighten out all the, the crooked things, God. That you would make clear all the, the, the unclear ways in their life. That you would help them deal with that sin in a way that brings them to life, God. That they are no longer bound to sin and death, but they have life in you. We thank you for this and we praise you for what you've done in Jesus' name. Everybody say. That does it for this week. Next week's message will be the last for I Love the 90s. We hope you've enjoyed the series so far. Have a blessed one.